You are now listening to Double Jump Radio. G'day everyone and welcome to episode 73 of Double Jump Radio, the official podcast of DoubleJump.co. I'm your host, Abia, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, John. John, how are you, my friend? Pretty good. Um, been playing a bit more, like dipping in and out of a few games, but I'm mostly playing Potion Alchemist, is that what it's called? I forgot what I thought. Potion Craft, I think. Potion Craft, that's it. Which I'll talk about a bit later, because we have a guest. Really? Yeah, we do, we do. Um, uh, long time, long time, double jump alumni and good friend, Kai joins us. Kai, how you doing? Hello, hello. I was told this was a guest appearance on Critical Role, uh, but I'm happy to oh. be here nonetheless. <laughs> Sorry for the disappointment. <laughs> I'll, I'll be your dungeon master if you, I'll be your GM if you need me. Right. When does when does Matt Mercer get here? <laughs> Later. I think he's still stuck at the Game Awards somehow. I think uh-huh. he's still making his way through. Um, but yeah, no, that that's uh, speaking of the Game Awards. <laughs> you weren't you weren't on um, last week's show, so I'd, I'd, we'd uh, we'd love to get some of your thoughts on this year's show. Did did you did you watch it live? Did you watch it later? Did you watch the trailers? Uh, I I hopped in and out of watching it because I was also at my day job, so just sort of in between <laughs> switching tabs. Um, so occasionally I'd I'd jump back in and see a trailer for Hades Two, uh, and that was fantastic. <laughs> and that was that was really my main takeaway was that I'm really looking forward to to more Hades in my life. Um, and then right at the end, as I was not paying attention. Some kid broke onto the stage and talked about Bill Clinton. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. That, for for an event with so many celebrities involved, you would think they have better security or any yeah, security. That was like you think like the the from software people going up are probably like, oh, he must be with the like the event, and the event people are probably like, oh, he must be with from software. I bet that's probably what happened. I mean, you, you presume well, so, but surely they should know who's going on their stage. Yeah, because apparently there was security, like, haphazardly taking off pins that people were wearing for unions or something like that. So they were definitely there what? doing something. <laughs> they what, just a, what a damning indictment of, <laughs> of our world. We can get all the union pins. Yeah, <laughs> They must have been um, from Wilma Hale, that like union-busting law firm that Activision brought on, I think. <laughs> or the Pinkertons. I was just going to say the Pinkertons. They're back. <laughs> the Pinkertons. They're back. <laughs> they're whapping blackjacks <laughs> in, in their hands. form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but you, you, you mentioned something about, you know, kind of lamenting the lack of indies being nominated. It pretty much seemed like a AAA-dominated affair. Yeah, I guess that's any any event with AAA presence. They eventually start to dominate. It would mm. have been nice to see at least a little bit of of recognition for them. Yeah. So the, the Plague Tale games, they're not they're not strictly indie, are they? Like they're from a decently sized studio, right? Yes, to my to my knowledge, I haven't played the Plague Tale games. I think uh, they're published by Focus, so they're kind of like yeah. in the middle somewhere of hyper expensive and indie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At at the very it, least, yeah. they're supported by a big studio. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like they they 
those games seem to have like a very high level of polish you know whether it's like the 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 voice acting the motion capture the like the even the visuals and stuff like it's not like those are very like kind of they're not really slouches when it comes to the graphical side of things either so I figured they'd have some support some money behind them yeah hmm. well why don't we uh, kick things off by talking about the news <laughs> Hi, we've had uh, this. This first story is a, a really awesome one for for the the local Aussie game industry. I've uh, got some news from the IGEA. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, uh, the Interactive Games and Entertainment Association, or IGA, or IG, <laughs> IGEA, IGEA is the, the grocery store, <laughs> um, has, has released its annual <laughs> uh, game development survey. For Australia, um, essentially just analysing where where our industry is at. Um, and the good news is that it's in a really, really good place, especially from from last year. We've got more more developers. We've got more more established developers bringing in money. Um, mm. There's more more hiring. Um, there's there's lots of numbers. There's sixty nine percent of studios are planning to hire new staff in the next year, which is exciting they're estimating that's going to be 300 new new hires at the at that lowest level which is exciting there's a little over 2,000 full-time employees in game development in australia which is good yeah it's like 59 percent more than like the the previous like um survey from the year before which is huge yeah um Obviously, less studios actually took part in the survey this year. Uh, we had 187 take part last year and only 102 this year. So what those numbers mean is a little bit up in the air. What jumped out at me was that 85% of studios who filled out that survey are developing their own IP, which is interesting. Mm. And I... I feel like I've talked a bit. Do you guys want to want to comment? <laughs> I was I was kind of curious about like that eighty five percent own IP being like you know almost definitely indie studios like new mm. new companies and or or not even new companies but you know um, kind of how how that reconciles with the less studios like almost one hundred like fifty percent less than last year. Mm. It makes me think it's like did a lot I mean, of studios or like stu- like development efforts like start up in the pandemic and then now they've kind of scaled down or well that that lower number of studios doing the survey doesn't mean the studios aren't there anymore they might just be too busy sure Mm. um that's a good thing yeah (laughs) that's true but obviously (laughs) the uh respondents did also talk about the the challenges facing the industry um and that was hiring specialized employees attracting development funding uh, at those early stages, and then a lack of appropriate government funding, which to me at the at the ooh, state level at the state level, yeah. Well, if if we had federal funding, that would go to the state levels, and then that would go down. Um, but to me, this paints a, a story of indie development really taking off in Australia, and it's not supported by those big studios and mm. and the government. Because I mean. If you look at the big games that Australia's put out, you've got Untitled Goose Game, Unpacking, and Cult of the Lamb, uh, none of which are, are 
you know, all critically and commercially successful, but they're not those big AAA heavy hitters yeah. that that you'd want. So at this stage, mm. we'd sort of want AAA studios to be setting up in Australia because they bring in internship programs and traineeships and they help employees get their specialized skills for their own purposes, but it's still, yeah. still helpful it for development. Everyone. Yeah. Because that's the thing, like, you know, you can cut your teeth at those those big studios um, that, you know, those foreign studios investing here, you can cut your teeth there. You can probably, there's a lot of, you know, skills and a lot of knowledge that can be shared, you know, because frankly speaking, like, you know, the the European or the US kind of, or even the Japanese game development scene is, I'd say, much older than the Australian one. Um so there's probably a lot of learnings there that would definitely come down to us and then you know you you do a few years at a big foreign studio and then you go spin off and you get some funding you go do your own thing so it it kind of helps like it trickles down like all all that knowledge all those skills so i think that's that's it's great that we've got that Uh, one thing i want to point out is that um you know the the according to the the report from the igea that 200 uh that the local industry um, so the local game development studios uh, raised about 284, just over 284 million Australian dollars, which is a 26% increase over the previous year, which is a, a huge jump. Um, but the on the flip side of that, the unfortunate thing is that the 84% of all revenue that's generated by the gaming industry here in Australia, 84% of that is actually coming from outside Australia. So foreign studios, foreign publishers and, and things like that so hopefully with the the digital games tax offset the government announced there'll be some like we'll see a swing to more local kind of like revenue as well i'm i'm gonna pull you up there is the digital games tax offset not office um oh did i say office i thought i said offset my bad uh, digital sorry. games tax offset yeah we'll fix it in post it's fine <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, but, but, yeah, the, but that that yeah. digital games tax offset has has mm. already sort of yielded results. Um, we've got that interest from international businesses and studios. Um, investors are, are showing increased engagement, which all in all bodes bodes very well. Mm. Um, I know it's a it's a change from my usual tack of me endorsing uh, big AAA studios <laughs> coming in. Uh, and and buying our indie scene because I love the indies, um, yeah. But as as you said, those skills, those resources, <laughs> theoretically, will trickle down, um, mm. and that's that's what we want. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, if if these big companies invest here, you know, potentially, like, it, it's it's a chicken and egg thing. You know, you need foreign investment to show the local government that it's worth Australians investing in their own industry. But then you need the Australian government to invest in <laughs> in the industry to make it lucrative for foreigners to come in. So it's like a, a chicken and egg situation. So I'm glad that the the, gov- the federal government finally bit the bullet and announced something. And, and we're getting this interest from, from those big companies overseas. <laughs> What we've seen here is the success of Untitled Goose Game. <laughs> and Culture of the Lamb. Has <laughs> absolutely invigorated. 
Australia's industry. I think they're looking at, according to the timeline. Uh, according to the timeline, it's like every two to three years, there's some sort of indie hit that comes out of Australia. So maybe they're trying to get onto the next cycle. <laughs> they're jumping in early. I mean, we <laughs> we're on a hot streak at the moment. Mm, um, that's true. And let's <laughs> let's not forget Austin Powers Pinball, which oh. is one of the first results if you look up Australian video games. <laughs> uh, well, we are part of the Commonwealth. I suppose it makes sense. But yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like the um, the boost, the rise of like you know, kind of smaller indie style publishers. You know, like kind of Devolver having a hand in Cult of the Lamb. Like, hopefully, mm. that means good things for our level of game development scene, where it's like it doesn't need. They're not gonna you know require huge teams or anything. They can kind of start small and make you know, kind of generate success that way and build up slowly if other bigger companies aren't willing to swoop in and make something gigantic all of a sudden. Like, mm, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure if that really... Well, that's uh, that's the ideal, right? If we can have our, our small studios and they have, you know, people with resources and experience to turn to if they, you know, they have an idea but they don't have the, the skill or the technology required to make that work. They mm. can, you know... Turn to turn to Daddy Devolver, uh, and <laughs> and get some training um, or or you know elder developers to to come in and help. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, like it actually reminds me because this is uh, a new story we, we um we didn't cover last week or or the week before, but um, Playside Studios, you know, Melbourne-based developer, very large team. Um. They actually they own the IP for Dumb Ways to Die, so they bought that off the Melbourne train people like a few years ago, and they inked a deal with Netflix to create a game to to work on a game called Dumb Ways to Survive, which is going to be um, like based on the Dumb Ways to Die like kind of IP, but it'll be like a survival game, and that's like. And that'll be published by Netflix on the Nef- like you know, as part of the Netflix kind of games portfolio. So, you know, maybe like this is one of those things where it's like, okay, that's maybe that was one of the things that was like, what maybe Playside was one of the you know participants in the survey, and and this is like one of the things that's been kind of like the fruit of this DGTO kind of tax offset. So, it'll, it'll, it who knows who else will be next. Maybe we'll get like a devolver down under or something, like a little publishing. It'll basically be a, a shed with a guy in a Cobra and he says like, with a stamp that says approved. And that'll, that'll be like the start. Yeah. <laughs> the well, start that's, of something. As I understand it, that's how the digital games tax offset works. Um, you, you go <laughs> yeah. to the shed and, <laughs> and file it with the Cobra guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing. Like, um, I mean, that's how the... That's how a classification board worked for years, and we know how the, well that went. Five hundred dollar readers. Goodbye, Mr. Prime Minister. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> well, speaking of money being thrown around, John, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, Epic Games and the trouble that it's in this week? Yes. Um 
which is, yeah, I guess that's not new for Epic, is it? Um, <laughs> FTC, no. which is the Federal Trade Commission in the US, um, they've ordered Epic Games to pay 520 million US dollars in fines and refunds. So this is um, FTC claims Crazy. that. So, oh yeah, <laughs> they said phrasing. That's like what did I? What in window did I no. make? Um, <laughs> FTC claims that. Epic illegally collected personal information from Fortnite players under the age of 13 without parental consent, that they enabled a voice and text chat by default, and that they exposed teens to, quote, dangerous and psychologically traumatizing issues such as suicide. So of this 520 million, 275 million is a civil penalty for the copper violations, which is the largest in the law's history, and while the remaining 245 million are consumer refunds, stemming from Epic's alleged use of, quote, dark patterns, which is an emerging term for the kind of things that um, online services do to make it kind of harder or just like, kind of like basically manipulate you into staying subscribed, which I was kind mm. of surprised by personally, because I've actually, um, like, because I subscribed to like the Fortnite crew thing this month, because oh, I had okay. a cool skin I wanted, and that's that's the only reason I would ever do it. Um, <laughs> And it's like, I was actually surprised how easy it was to unsubscribe because like I went to like just do it, you know, it's like, oh, okay, it's just so I don't get caught out by it. And I just like clicked one button and it's just gone. And it's like, oh, that was way easier than mm. these things usually are. So it makes me wonder like where else that stems from because I'm not like I'm not on Fortnite all the time. So it kind of makes you wonder just how deep some of these tactics goes mm. um, beyond my own experiences. But um, yeah, so as part of this lawsuit for... Um, Oh yes, also to note, the copper violations is referring to the Children's Online Privacy Protection Rule, so, um, which, yeah. And um, yeah, so as part of this lawsuit, Epic um, has not admitted any wrongdoing, which is worth noting in this these following statements I will be talking about. I hate, so, I hate it when they... I, I don't understand that. It's like, oh yeah, we broke some rules and potentially, you know, we're going to pay half a billion dollars in fines. For no reason. We, I mean, we didn't do anything wrong. We, we're just complying. They just told us, hey, mate, can you pay some money? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. We'll cover it. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, I, like, I, I, for one, am shocked that a billion-dollar corporation would, would do anything sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so <sighs> with that in mind, this is the Epic Games' following statement, which I won't go over all of it, um, but they mention that, quote, statues or statutes, written decades ago don't specify how gaming ecosystems should operate laws have not changed but the application has evolved and long-standing industry practices are no longer enough we accepted this agreement because we want epic to be at the forefront on consumer protection and provide the best experience for our players so that's the Fuck spin <laughs> we want to be oh, the best at this which honestly oh. <laughs> after hearing a lot about like how roblox is extremely exploitive of its like 10 yes. year olds that play it yeah this feels like a much better version of that reality you know like it feels like i don't know it's obviously they're guilty of a lot of bad things but it's just like oh if this moves things ahead even if they don't you know they don't they're not admitting to the bad things they've done yeah um i don't know yeah because it like, doesn't sound like bad, roblox you know? roblox actively exploits kind of like children by like encouraging them to create games and and like things in roblox and it's like a, what I think it's like ninety five percent revenue share. Like they take ninety five percent of anything you sell. Like mm. it's like something ridiculous like that. Uh, I looked that up um, while you. Essentially, my my Sorry. first pyramid scheme. 
God, that's grim. Um, but like Roblox is basically a sweatshop for kids that where it's like fueled by the content they make. Fortnite is kind of similar. So I imagine they actually have a similar deal in place, except they have a battle royale that everyone else ever plays. And then they also have other stuff that whoever can make. So I do wonder how it compares actually bringing it up anyway. Um, it definitely feels, feels like there's, there's a larger conversation to be had around. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. These sort of tactics and, and kids especially. Mm. Yeah, so in a way, it's, I'm kind of wondering how much of this is an evasive maneuver for Epic, so much as it's, yeah, hopefully it's less of that. Um, yeah, so Epic also shared some blame with, shared blame with other developers, and they also announced that they'll be changing some of the store policies. So first off, they in as yeah, part of the statement, they said, quote, developers should consider avenues for players to request refunds that lie outside of the standard process, and they kind of go back go into the kind of the way chargeback policies work typically, which is if you if someone charges back a um, a purchase made with their credit card to the bank directly, their account will probably get banned or disabled. Um, they're basically saying you shouldn't do that, or at least you should do it only when you're fully sure that it is fraud, um, rather than you know a kid charging two thousand dollars for Fortnite skins. Um, while, and they also note that, quote, while game developers may be familiar with Copper, they may not be aware of its global application. Um, basically going on to say that this means game developers should expand youth privacy protectors to include protections to include players under 18, which the, I'm not quite sure of the details there. But This is the bit that gets me, because if youth privacy protections didn't apply to players under 18, yeah, who are they for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how young does it go there? <laughs> right. Like like, that's rename it to adult privacy protections and then create youth ones. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very <laughs> good point. Um, I'll, I'll also note that the idea that uh, if you see an unauthorized transaction, you can call your bank to have it reversed is how it's always been done. You have always been able to do that. That's. Yeah. It, it's not. Mm. Yeah, Epic <laughs> doesn't get the credit for for instituting that. Yeah, yeah but it's um. like, how does it... This is like relative to the rest of the industry, which is almost always worse technically than this version they're now floating. Which is like, mm. I'm kind of wondering, it's like, oh, okay. Like, you're right, I definitely don't feel like we should praise it, but it definitely feels like a change worthy of praise to the point of, you know, telling everyone else to do it, you know, <laughs> like... It's, um, anyway, um, Epic also had like a bit of a boast, I guess, at the end where they said that they've, Fortnite has never had pay to win mechanics. They have said, quote, they've never been pay to win or pay to progress mechanics in player versus player experience in Fortnite. And we also eliminated paid random item loot boxes in their like PVE save the world, like horde mode, um, game mode in 2019. Um, I want to also note, they say... They've never had pay to progress mechanics in the pe and they're very specific about how they say it because like pay to progress mechanics in player versus player experiences, which is you know as in I guess theoretically yeah like theoretically like I guess what they're describing these mechanics being is that you pay money and then there's less people in the game maybe or something like that because well, you can definitely pay to like advance your battle pass and stuff yeah so I'm kind of curious what that what they're describing exactly there. 
I guess but. pay to progress can also be access on, on an individual level to better equipment. Um, oh, like the, yeah, sure. the Battlefront thing, you're not getting rid of other players, but you can you can pay to get a better gun. Uh, uh, yeah, which, that's fair. Yeah, yeah and that, that style of progress rather than in-game. Mm. Or like how Overwatch 2 does it as being part of the Battle Pass, maybe. I'm, I'm not yeah. quite sure, but... Um, Mm. but that's that's how i understand it but mm. yeah, yeah yeah like that sounds right yeah yeah because like i think a lot of this i think the 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 thing with epic is that epic is both a a game company but also a storefront so it's it's got i think it, what it's trying to do is be like oh you know we're taking a bold stance because you know you developers should be really you should really be more responsible and we'll make sure our, our store policies will reflect that. Like, you know, we'll, we'll take this on the chin. We're doing it for the industry. <laughs> and uh, like uh, the yeah. level of spin here, the uh, audacity. It is oh. amazing that they, they have spun this uh, fine from, from the US FTC uh, as them really standing up for... for <laughs> For good, <laughs> yeah, we did this on our own. Yeah, <laughs> don't bring up the fine. <laughs> it's very much like, yes, I do charity work, and not mentioning that it's been court ordered. Yeah, uh, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. On the on the weekend, I went and cleaned up my local park, uh, and it just felt really good to give back. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I think everyone else, you should be more responsible. Exactly, <laughs> you should be like me. Also, you get this cool orange jumpsuit. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, epic! <laughs> Maybe they time it with releases of their, like new releases of their like Fortnite chapters. They're like, okay, chapter three, one lawsuit. Chapter four, yep, next lawsuit. It's just, it's, it's <laughs> that's how it is. Uh, I mean, I guess you could argue that the FTC encourages pay-to-win tactics, because like, it's just like, yep, yeah, just pay this fine, but just you don't, you don't, you don't have to admit any guilt. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, let's uh, let's pivot it across to some more like kind of industry shaking news. But this time it's a bit more focused on virtual reality. So um, John Carmack, a veteran game developer, um, like very vocal VR, sorry, virtual reality kind of proponent, and the the co-founder and kind of like kind of like the the lead programmer. I think it was on on Doom. On Wolfenstein, Doom, and Quake, uh, John Carmack has just this week announced that he's uh, stepping down um, from his role at Meta. So he actually, I guess, like a little bit of backstory. John Carmack, um, like back in E3, oop, <laughs> uh, back in E3 2012, uh, Carmack was like very famously demoing a very very early prototype of the oculus headset at that point it was literally ski goggles with screens duct taped to it and he was like demoing it to like you know all the outlets and stuff like 10 years ago right and then after that there was the i think the oculus went to kickstarter raised funds um and then uh, got bought by facebook and that's when palmer lucky bailed out and that's how John Carmack entered uh, the meta world, the metaverse, if you will, because he, he, he left id Software and Bethesda, 
which was messy in its own way. <laughs> then he went to Oculus, and then Oculus got bought by Meta, and he's been kind of one of the chief, like kind of, I, I don't know what his official title was, I don't remember, but he was pretty high up there as a decision maker as part of the the virtual reality, augmented reality division at Meta. So he took to uh, Facebook. Um, so yeah, so just for a little bit of context, he actually, he was... Um, he was the chief technical officer of Oculus and is now moving into a more consulting role. Um, he took a... In 2019, he actually stepped back from being like uh, as much of an active role at, at Facebook. Well, I guess back then it was Facebook. And he essentially took to his Facebook profile and issued an official post, like in the form of a statement. I think because things have started to leak out, like bits and pieces of what was happening so he just wanted to set the record straight if it comes down to it like he didn't really sugarcoat it <laughs> like i think i feel like he's burnt a few bridges at meta potentially on his way out but essentially he said <laughs> he's really he, he was really not happy with the way things were being run at meta so one of the things he pointed out uh, was that quote an organization that is only known inefficiency is ill-prepared for the inevitable competition and or belt tightening. Um, he also talked about, you know, how Meta has so many people and so many resources, but, quote, we constantly self-sabotage and squander effort. <laughs> I think our organization is operating at half the effectiveness. Uh, like, that's, that's, I don't know if, if he's like kind of implying that the way like the culture that um, Zuckerberg and, and his team have cultivated at Meta really stifles the innovation that otherwise could come out of an organization with that many resources, which is, uh, I can imagine, frustrating because he, he talks about how he's, he's always been about optimization. Like that's ever since like, you know, the id software days about trying to make you know, game worlds render when when there were no such things as 3D graphics cards. You know what I mean? Like, he's always been about that. And I guess it, it kind of got to him at, at, at this point. And he even, you know, he even talked about having, you know, being at the, the C-suite, being a C-suite executive, and even then not being able to, um, quote, move things. Uh, and, and, he, and he talks about, you know, he could have moved to, like, closer to the, the management, but that he was... Um, you know, he was busy programming. <laughs> you know, he he's more like kind of in 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 the weeds type of guy, and I guess he had enough. He's he's talking about, you know, focusing on his own startup that he's got happening on the side, and the way he made it sound, it's that he he's done with virtual reality. Like he's not going to be actively developing anything anymore, even at his new startup. And it's it's just like, yep, if anyone can do it, it's Meta. But the only but the only person. The only people getting in the way of Meta is Meta itself. So that's uh we'll we'll uh <laughs> can't I mean, run Doom on Meta. <laughs> I mean that <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that statement is corporate speak for it's a shit show and I'm jumping ship. I'm getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go jump, yes. I'm out. <laughs> so the the company that he's um he, he founded a company uh, called Kane Technologies, which is all about uh, artificial intelligence. 
and he raised 20 million US dollars for that just a couple of months ago so he's he's it's not like he's he's hurting for things to do he's clearly got his next project like up and running and I guess we'll all be I guess we'll we'll all be in 10 years time when when the AI inevitably takes over we'll all be we'll all be considered not running to our efficiency and we'll be let go I'm I'm just excited to to see where this sort of AI AI gets gets us to. Will it run mm. on a fridge? Will it run on a calculator? We're gonna find out. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm excited, yeah. also nervous, uh, because that AI is going to look at Doom, and I'm worried that's where it's gonna get its ideas from. <laughs> yeah, will it crush me under its boot? Maybe. Um, <laughs> Oh. We've run the calculation, the simulations, and there's a 98% chance of humanity uh, invoking hell uh, <laughs> within 15 years. So we have to put a stop to it. Oh my God, my smart chainsaw, it's turned against me. Who <laughs> yeah. uh, could have uh, predicted uh, this? <laughs> um, I'll also say, because like, he had this startup happening in August, which wasn't too long ago. And I was thinking maybe he finally decided to jump after the MetaQuest Pro launched and fell flat mm. on its face in like everywhere. So it's like yeah. it's because especially that Horizons Workroom, which is apparently like the worst piece of software made in a second. Um, it's, wow. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> serious question. This is going to sound like a joke. Has Meta had any successes? Yeah, I mean, the MetaQuest Two, the MetaQuest like. Uh, they've had th- they've been well reviewed like even like because I think the Quest was the first one that was that didn't require connection to a PC like it had its own kind of like hardware in the headset so I think once that happened that was a big kind of like win for the industry so it has had success I mean, for the, for the yeah. industry but for them alone has anything really taken off that they had commercial success i think i think they tend yeah. to buy them because they bought the beat saber team and that ip and then they've kind of done that like a dozen times or something they've done mm. it a lot to the point that mm. ftc also you know speaking of them they also had to step in and make, stop them from buying like a 20 person outfit because they were just doing it too often and like buying yeah. up that you know the killer apps so it's um it's, uh, did yeah. did they tell the ftc that if if it wasn't allowed they just contact the bank and get their money back <laughs> oh, I think they forgot. <laughs> yeah, because it's. I know that. I think Meta and all Oculus, I guess, has had, like, has supported the developers. I think uh, Polyark, who developed the Moss games, so I know. I know that Meta slash Oculus has funded. I think a lot of VR stuff. I think. I mean. I don't think that its VR has reached the mainstream that everyone was hoping for it to reach by now. And I don't see it becoming mainstream. Like maybe the maybe the PSVR 2 will change things because there are, you know, plenty of PlayStation 5s and homes and seems like it's going to be a much more capable system than, uh, you know, what you can get for the price range. But yeah. We'll I mean, we, you need an entry-level option. Uh, to to convince people right now to even even give it a try, you're asking hundreds of dollars. Yeah, uh, which is a lot to risk on something that 
Okay? You're not sure you're going to like, you might get motion sick from it. Mm. No one's going to pay $800 to maybe get sick. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, yeah, if you... If, well, yeah. But it's... it's uh, uh, yeah, they, they're starting at about 630 bucks, which is still not cheap, but it's, I guess, lower than it used to be. Mm. Um, so I was going to say... Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it felt like um, Zuckerberg... Like, it feels like with Meta and, like, the Metaverse, it feels like he was totally banking on the idea that if he funneled money into this, into um, whatever the studio is called that makes Meta Horizons... Um, Oh, is that what's called Horizon Worlds? That's what it is. Um, and how you know, because that's just like PlayStation Home or Second Life, but worse. And it's like it feels like there were he was funneling money into it in the hopes that he would be the first to get onto like the it thing, you know, in VR, like the one that will absolutely draw all the demand, all the attention, all of a sudden, and then he can kind of push Facebook around that. I think that that was my impression of what he's been doing but it hasn't been happening yeah. and he doesn't and the overall development like you know scene within meta doesn't doesn't seem to really generate it or mm. something i don't know like nothing seems to be happening like the last thing we heard was the pro and that wit dumb thing where he faked having legs in vr so i don't know what's going on i mean so, to yeah. come on 15 years later and make second life 2 worse than second life <laughs> Even blockier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, um, I'm yeah. Im- I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> That's one word for it. <laughs> I uh, just to be clear, just in case people at home were also confused like me, this um, so Horizon Worlds is like it's that it's this uh, like alternative space game like. They call it alt space or whatever. Some weird, very like, you know, very tech, tech bro kind of like terminology. But it's the game that looks like Second Life mixed with like, like me's from the Nintendo Wii. But I was thinking about. <laughs> I, I got. Com- I thought you were talking about Horizon Call of the Mountain because that's also called Horizon. <laughs> and I was just like, oh yeah, the Horizon. A VR game. Oh, that must be really bad then. Then, I, then I realized that Horizon Worlds is the is what used to be called Facebook Horizon. That's got that's what got renamed confusingly. So, just just wanted to are clarify you, that. Are you jealous of your nine year old on Roblox? <laughs> we got the space for you. <laughs> You're like so correct as well because that last thing I heard about Horizon Worlds is just how awful as community is and they're all like 10 year old boys just chasing any sort of girl voice they hear it's awful <laughs> like it sounds awful at least so 10 year old boys <laughs> with very wealthy parents who are happy to spend like 500 drop like 800 bucks on a headset to let their 10 year old <laughs> chase girls no they're snuck into their parents in the closet and <laughs> put yeah, them yeah. <laughs> like you know 20 30 years ago it was like you know your dad's Playboy collection. Now it's your your dad's VR collection. You're, you're getting into. <laughs> I'm going to go harass girls in VR. Oh god, what have we um, done? What have we done? If, if there's one thing we know, it's that nothing is going to stop twelve uh, year old boys. I mean, <laughs> chasing after you know, any hint of. <laughs> I mean, they say Kojima is, is Hideo Kojima is predicting the future, and I agree with him. Like, should we have connected? Like, that's that's the question we should be asking ourselves. 
<laughs> I feel like we knew that a long time ago. Though. <laughs> we knew the answer. We knew human nature. I mean, the, the history of the internet has been people going, this was a bad idea. <laughs> I, I yeah. bet it's like, you know, the first telegram they ever sent. I bet the the one they got back was like a hoax. It was like, it was like, it was like a troll. Like, you know. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, uh, that, that's going to do it for the news uh, for this past week. How about we move it over to the chit-chat section? Kai, you told us you've been playing a bit of uh, Two Point Campus, the, I guess, spiritual successor to Two Point Hospital. Well, it's it's the direct sequel to to Two Point Hospital, and it gotcha it makes no no bones about that. Um, <laughs> but it is which, it, it which is. itself was like it's like a which itself was like kind of like a spiritual kind of remake of like a classic sim game, right? Was it like yeah, Sim Hospital? It's, or it's, something? it's continuing that you know theme park world, theme hospital, uh, mm. Sim City to an extent. That style of management game. Um, yeah. But in the 21st century, which is which is nice, because I loved Theme Hospital, I loved Two Point Hospital, uh, and I'm I'm enjoying Two Point Campus except for the crashes. That's not great. Uh, <laughs> but it's I've, I've been playing it on Switch, Ooh. and it, it's about every hour it it crumbles under its own weight, uh, which is wow. disappointing. But I mean that's that's. Game devs at the moment. It's it's still in its early it's stage. It's ironing out bugs. It is also the Switch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, why are you playing it on the Switch and not like a, a different system? Are, are, would you flick it? Would you try it on Steam or something instead? Uh, if it was cheaper, yes. Uh, but gotcha. I have no. It's also unlikely to run well on my computer. You guys know that my computer can't handle much. Fair enough. Uh, so Fair enough. The, the Switch is my best option at the moment. Uh, <laughs> and and I, I have faith that they will line out the bugs um, mm. in time. There was, they're still doing support for Two Point Hospital coming out with releases and, and updates. Uh, so if there's anything oh, that good. the studio's doing good at, it's keeping up that, that stream of updates, fixes, new content. Gotcha. Uh, which I'm all about. Gotcha. And they, they've just added the space expansion. Uh, so you can start oh, yeah. a university on the moon, which is That's what the fantastic. <laughs> I was assuming it would be about making rockets, not being odd literally on the moon. <laughs> on the moon. No. Uh, well, you, you start off the space expansion, you know, building up your university to start a space program. Uh, and then once, oh, you've, okay. once you've done that, you unlock the next campus, which is the moon. <laughs> you know as you do of, of course <laughs> the logical conclusion wow um, aside uh, from the wow. crashes how's the switch version like control wise and stuff uh, it's it's good I think those sorts of management games are very designed for for computers um, mm. but the switch controls they feel they feel natural they feel comfortable um, that's good I, I haven't really run into any any I guess issues issues there where I haven't known how to do something. Um, mm. 
You see, there's there's so many systems going on that it takes a bit to get your head around everything. Yeah. Um, which is part of why it's crashing, because it's trying to run every student's own little pathway and they all do different things, which certainly adds to the immersion. I don't know how necessary it was. <laughs> like, it's... It's nice to know that I can I can chase Jessica Thimbleweed uh, around her entire schooling and just watch what this individual does. But why? <laughs> oh God! Why would I do wow. that? So, so like between the crashes, are you having fun? Oh, completely. Okay, <laughs> I haven't deleted it yet, which. I think <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be pretty awkward if in between the crashes you were hating it. <laughs> Just <laughs> no, it's uh. it's it's really harnessed that little addiction scratch of I I want to see what I can do next. I Does wanna, it have multiplayer? Uh, not yet. Okay. Um, is is there something that Two Point Hospital got later on? Uh, Two Point Hospital had had those connected services um but mm. it's not a genre that i think you could do a multiplayer option with um because yeah i was gonna know, ask about it because i couldn't imagine that, it yeah yeah how are you how are you imagining multiplayer to work in a management game well like you know how they did that with sim city where you could trade you know you could do exchanges you could have like competitions like you know you had to win you know, you had to make your students achieve a certain mark and then in the district and you get more funding for the next year. You know, things like that. Or, you know, you could develop your sports team and, you know, uh, you could... Let, let's say you've got resources, you can focus, you know, do you want to do it in music? Do you want to do it on campuses? Do you want to do it on, you know, this faculty, that faculty and, and beat out different universities for funding? But maybe that's a bit too cyn- cynical, I think. I it's going to be like Sims, you know, where you have like yeah. houses with other people's people in it but i guess that's not necessarily active so but i don't know it sounds all right though i mean Mm. it's it's got those those levels but it's all all ai now you are competing with other universities but they're not real people uh two point hospital did did include a level of that where you know uh you could you could invest in research and that would be combined with other players research globally asymmetrically like you don't have to be live at the same time yeah Yep. Um, it was very much. Here's a project. You're going to need fifty thousand XP for it, uh, but we're going <laughs> to lump your pitiful twenty in with everybody else's, and you'll see if you can hit it. <laughs> uh, Capitalism at its finest. We should. That's what we need in our games, apparently. <laughs> it's a management oh. sim. It's capitalism. <laughs> the game. I don't know. That's true, that's true. I don't know what you want. <laughs> I've heard a little bit about it and I was like I was kind of wondering it's like what do you think of like the sense of humor of these games because I've heard a little bit about it like not in the nest, like fully negative sense or anything just as like I think I've heard some people kind of hoping it would be more biting you know but I'm kind of wondering how you've, you've taken it I mean I I would like it to be a little bit a little bit more biting as you say um, but I also didn't expect it to be because these games are very light yeah, uh, and Sorry. and breezy, and everything's happy and colourful, and adding that real world cynicism works to an extent, mm. but not not overall. Yeah, it's um, very fair. fair. <laughs> I think in twenty twenty two, that's extremely fair. Yeah, yeah, and and, and that's yeah. kind of why I like it 
I'm a very cynical person. It is nice to just go run this university where things are good and all the students are getting good grades and people make little funny sarcastic remarks, but it doesn't mean anything. And it's yeah, it's only thirty nine dollars at the moment. Yeah. I thought it'd be more. I thought other Switch games cost more. Christmas sales, baby. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. So I guess if you are um, interested in it, thirty nine bucks that seems pretty reasonable for. If you are interested, uh, but not a diehard management sim fan like myself. Obviously, all the diehard fans have already got it. Yeah. Uh, there aren't that many options for us out there. Uh, I'd recommend waiting a few months just to iron out some of these, <laughs> okay, some of these crash cool. bugs um, <laughs> and, then, and then jump on because it is a good time. Yeah, gotcha. what, have, what have you guys good been advice. up to? Well, I'll get on to my one. <laughs> um, I've, also, <laughs> I've been playing um, Potion Craft Alchemist Simulator which is basically just... Uh, uh, it's actually kind of hard to describe, but it's... Um, I guess it is what it sounds like, which is you're making potions and you're running a store selling them. And, like, there's a number of games like that. This one is definitely more focused on the potion part than... Like, you definitely sell, but it's like... You know, like, there was another game that came out, re- like, this year called Potionomics, and that one's kind of got, like, a dating sim mixed in with a lot more, like... Um, this is a very different visual style that's very impressive in its own right. This one's kind of like, it's almost like it's on paper, like illustrated mm. paper. Like I'm not like sure what era exactly. Iris or whatever. Yeah, something like that. So it's it's evoking a certain type of era and style, and it's very, um, how you put it? I don't know. It's very, it's, I guess like management is closer to it, you know, like it's closer to that side of the bar where it's like instead of mm. you're just kind of managing your potions, you're trying to figure out more potions. And the potion crafting part is actually done through this kind of like map system, which took me a while to get the hang of where you're each, so you're creating potions with ingredients and then you shove it, you put it in the pot, then you stir it and then you kind of like cook it. And that's kind of the process. So that's just cooking. Gotcha. Yeah. I know, <laughs> I know it is. Uh, but it's like, um, the way it works is that like each ingredient kind of adds like a little kind of line from the center towards like one of the kind of genres of potion across the map so and gotcha. each line is like a very different either a different direction and a different shape so you kind of put them okay. in depending on what you want from it so i want like health one that's to the like um east southeast yeah. so what are what like, are the different genres and and uh, what are the different potions you can make have to remember but it's like there's there's actually there's a lot of them i haven't played enough um which i'll get to a little bit like i think i played like five hours like almost in one sitting as well because it's very addictive um especially <laughs> early on but it's um i'll try and find it actually yeah um, it definitely evokes that medieval it, it's got like a very medieval type aesthetic that it's trying to go for yeah with the but, um, fonts and the imagery and stuff yeah but so there's a lot of like there's healing potions and like like, like there's the li- like specifically magic potions like mana and lightning and fire and then there's um what else like i know they're like because they all they're all like individual things that you can combine with others but it's all like individual effects that you can kind of like attach to one another but they don't really synergize necessarily um hmm, i don't put it <laughs> i really should have been more prepared for this conversation but it's um 
Fair put enough. It, yeah, I, I no, mean, it looks cool. Like, yeah, it sounds interesting. Yeah. I'm on board. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of hard to describe it without seeing pictures of it. But it's, um, yeah, so you put the ingredients in and it creates like basically a line with each ingredient towards wherever you're going. And then you use stir to kind of move the like potion across the line because you're like your potions get better the more precise you are with where your little potion central potion lands Mm. as you're stirring and um so you're trying to like you can kind of you don't even have to you can spend more ingredients to kind of get it more precise if you want a lot of it is the progression arc as a player is like really impressive because like you're kind of figuring little bits out as you're playing without it really telling you and i feel like it's been a second since i played a game like that where it's just like oh like over and over again <laughs> where yeah, you're kind of figuring it, out where it just Sorry. lets you learn on your own time sort of yeah because it gives you a tutorial but it doesn't really tell you the specifics of every mechanic so i've kind of figured out aspects of it so it's like you kind of create the line to a part of mm. the map like potion map and then you kind of you whisk it. and i didn't realize you could kind of only do it part way you didn't um, have to do it like um, you don't have to stir it like the entire distance you can stir it like part way and then cook it and then there's also these like portals on the map as well that put you elsewhere which what? took me ages <laughs> to find it's hard again it's hard to describe exactly but it's, right, it's now, very, uh, now I'm lost yeah I know so uh, I'm I guessing think, can I guess that you, portals take you to different areas and they it, and then you can find like more exotic ingredients or something no no it's, it's more like it kind of it's more depending on what the ingredients you use so you can kind of be okay. more efficient if you kind of go to because they only like move i think they're kind of meant to represent like minor chemical reactions oh, as okay. you kind yeah. of go like okay so you go here you kind of cook it there <laughs> and then it will kind of zip you somewhere like slightly close by so basically yeah and you can like save your recipes including exactly the amount of movements and stuff you use so you can get kind of more efficient. And then, hmm. sorry, I've been talking in a very roundabout way because it's hard to describe in my mind. Uh, like, so the um, the people who come in, like the customers, they all have different needs. So like, I want a health potion. And like, you also have a kind of like a minor morality thing. So if you're just like, if someone just wants a health potion and they're like, you know, not doing it for evil reasons, <laughs> you'll get like a little boost in that direction. If someone wants to burn out a house and you actually sell the potion to them, you'll get the opposite. And if like it'll depend, it'll change your reputation of like who actually comes into the shop as you sell in either direction. Gotcha. And, um, what else is oh, there? Okay. And like another clever thing of it is that like the map is designed in a way where, and like same with the ingredients, is that if you kind of end up making more health potions, and in like just generally in the right side of the map, you'll generally get more people who are kind of good. So it's mm. kind of I don't know. There's like lots of interwoven mechanics that i've kind of been more and more impressed by as i've played so it's um sorry for that really bad explanation <laughs> i just was not prepared but it's, it sounds um, cool yeah i it's yeah i recommend checking it out and forming your own opinion that's somewhat separate from this ramble i've had <laughs> so because I, I i find it very difficult to explain how dare you promote agency in our audience how dare you do that <laughs> so sorry. Um, I feel like this is this is the moment John became Heisenberg. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's gonna go and cook <laughs> the potion. You know what this game gives me an idea for? <laughs> meth. Dealing meth sounds so much more fun if you call it potions. <laughs> potions, yeah. 
You could buy an RV. A, yeah, I mean, there's a morality <laughs> system in drug making, right? Like, <laughs> this is the potion of speed. Wink, wink. <laughs> are, are you playing this on PC? Yeah, yeah. Because it just came out of early access. Oh, that was the other oh, thing okay. I was going to mention. Is that like the day after it came out? Because I think I poured it on release day just on impulse, just because like, mm. oh, that sounds like something I'd like. So I just got it. Um, and then like there was, you know, the next post on the Steam page, you know, like the developer post is saying mm. like, here's the upcoming features. And it's like, it details a bunch of them. And it's just like, oh, I'm not sure I really want to keep playing it without this stuff, even though it's like out of early oh, access. And it's just like, yeah. I don't like that feeling. Because <laughs> it's like, it's just so <laughs> many like extra things where it's like, oh, the game I'm pretty sure would be a lot better. Because like part of it is like, I won't go on too much longer, but <laughs> there's like an ingredient farm that respawns every time you sleep. So you kind of just get a bunch of extra stuff every day to like cook with, basically. And you can also buy extra ingredients as people come in. But that's basically like that's your main like source of stuff to make potions with. And one of the gotcha. extra features is like a garden where you have to like grow and stuff, like uh, you know water, actual plants. And I'm guessing there's just it's mm. more about creating choice in what you get. But I also yeah. just like oh, I kind of like it how it is. So I'm just kind of torn between playing more <laughs> or like waiting, which. I don't know. I don't want That's, to do that. Yeah, I wonder why, why they didn't wait a little bit longer. It's I mean, not fully featured like, enough, yeah. but... If yeah. you're enjoying it as it is, play as much as you can now, and then if you don't enjoy the new features, then you can leave then. You don't want to sit around, wait, and then not like the and new then, features. And forget. <laughs> yeah, no, but it doesn't feel like a game that I'd get much more out of in a second playthrough, you know, like a yeah. lot, uh, time later. Like it feels like one where it's like the first playthrough where I'm kind of learning and memorizing the information rather than kind of having to go through it again later. I don't yeah, know. There's something okay. about it where yeah, it's just probably. like in my, my current headspace feels comfortable <laughs> in a way, but it's like these all, all these extra features sound good. So, well, I don't know. according to 14 hours ago, the, the developer, Nice Play Games announced that it's coming to PlayStation systems uh, in uh, next early next year. So they say spring, so autumn for us. So that'll be March to May. So if if you are on, hopefully maybe by that time it'll be like everything's in there. Yeah, it's still a few nice. months for you. <laughs> if it's a few months, that's great. <laughs> I was yeah. kind of expecting it to be like a year, but um, yeah. I will say, speaking of managing games on Switch, this one would be a very good Switch game. It's it's exactly the same kind of, the exact right type of gameplay and scale, I think. Mm. So it's like, I'll buy it again, <laughs> if it's good. Yeah. Hey, now, it, uh, it seems to have a good good review, so you know people do seem happy. Well, that's, that's what we like. It is also coming to Switch, yeah, same time, so... Oh. Uh, oh Switch well. and PlayStation systems... In in yeah in autumn next year. Okay, huh. that's good. There we go. That Kai's like, cool. <laughs> yeah. Now I'll I'll come back in a few months and and share my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> and you can say that was months ago. We've moved on. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, Abia, you've been watching stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Speak, um, speaking of fourteen hours ago, that would have been uh, Wednesday, was it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wednesday. Yes, it was. Uh, yes, uh, that that was genius. I love that. Um, yes, well, <laughs> we, um, my wife and I have been watching. Uh, well, we finished it a lot, like a couple of weeks ago. But we we watched um, the Wednesday Adams show on Netflix, the Tim Burton directed 
and produced show. Uh, I think he directed like the first like three or four episodes, so it's pretty much has his fingerprints all over it. And it, it was a lot of fun. Like I, I, like I don't really remember the Adams Family. Like I feel like I have seen it, but like as in the like the '90s movies. But I do remember like the cartoons and stuff, and and I think everyone kind of knows the uh, the theme song. But it it was kind of cool seeing this story. It was just, it was just you could tell that everyone making it was having fun, and it, and it really came across well. And it was, it was really, uh, I don't know, like, may it, it had a genuinely kind of cool twist. Like, it kind of does the thing where there's a few red herrings throughout the show, you know, as as Wednesday goes through trying to solve this mystery of this, of monsters, like you know, uh, like around. So essentially, the plot is that. Wednesday um, gets kicked out of schools a lot, and then eventually she goes to a school which is for you know outcasts, which are basically people with abilities. You know, the I guess in the comic book parlance would be mutants. So this this is kind of the school that her mum went to and stuff, and it's like it's it's cool how it kind of like ties into like the parents' past as well as you know Wednesday's kind of fascination with like morbid stuff i think i think she does a really good like i don't know like it's like it's just a fun show like there's just a lot like a lot of memorable characters a lot of memorable scenes and like it's like a got a good sense of humor about it it's got a great cast like you've got like um jenna ortega is the plays uh wednesday adams then you've got like louis gomez who plays What's the dad's name? I forget the... Uh, no, Gomez. Gomez Adams. I, f- I forget what his surname. I don't know if he's... Uh, his name's Luis. The actor is Luis Guzman. Guzman. Guzman, that's right. Uh, sorry. And he plays Gomez Adams. Um, Which Catherine is very Jones. confusing if you're in Australia <laughs> where Guzman at Gomez, <laughs> Gomez is a famous Mexican <laughs> chef. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that's what I'm going to blame it on. Yep, that's... Thank you, thank you for saving me. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> Catherine Zeta Jones as uh, as um, Morticia, so um, and then Fred Armisen as Uncle Festa, who is like kind of like the kooky uncle. That uh, it's 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 just a lot of fun, and it's it's good to see Gwendolyn Christie, who people might know as um, is it Brianna Brianna of Tarth? Brianna of Tarth, that's right, not Brianna Stark, that's someone else. Uh, Brianna of Tarth. Who um, and also the silver kind of stormtrooper that, that has no lines of dialogue and just like dies unceremoniously in the Last Jedi or whatever, whichever one it was. So she actually finally gets to play like an, a woman that isn't like masculine or anything like that. Like I think she talked about in interviews how like in all the roles because she's so tall, they always try to depict her in like a very masculine way so she never gets to like feel glamorous so she really liked the fact that she could wear makeup and like dress up and and like kind of have fun with the role so that and you could definitely tell that she was having fun with with, with the with the role there but yeah if, you, if you're a fan of if you're a fan of gothic kind of like feels werewolves gorgons all sorts of stuff and mixed in with like some dumb teenage drama like you, you probably enjoy it i think it's, it's, the, a, it's a hoot the reason i haven't watched it yet is because i'm i'm still a little concerned 
So obviously the the humor of the Adams family is in contrast, right? You put this, yeah. you know, family that's all about death and the occult and they're weird, and you yeah. put them in suburbia, and that's that's comedy. <laughs> yeah. So what what struck me right from the announcement was is is it still going to be funny if you take that family and put them in an equally occult and weird and spooky place? Yes, because the show is less about the family. Like, the funny thing is, like, the family, like, the parents come across as just, like, normal parents. Like, they, it's like, because it's all about Wednesday, like, they deal with that dichotomy in the fact that, like, she gets paired with a roommate who's really bubbly and very girly and very colourful. So you've got that kind of juxtaposition there. Right. Plus, so that's, you've that's got where the, the contrast comes Exactly. In. Okay. And then you've also got the... There's definitely the the root, like, part of the premise is that the outcasts are hated by the normies, you know, the normal people of the town. So there's still that element of, you know, these weird folk mixing with, like, you know, regular people and, like, the shenanigans and the, you know, the prejudice and the... And the kind of like misunderstandings that happens from that, so it still captures that kind of zaniness and that I, I don't know how it, was it fish out of water kind of like scenario. It it, it does tackle it, it does have that humor. Okay, I don't know. I'll have to I'll have to give it a shot then. Yeah, like if, if you if you watch like the first couple of episodes, and I think by the end of the first episode, you you'll know whether you you'd want to watch it or not. Alright, yeah. watch this space <laughs> I don't think you've seen it uh, Have you, John? No, I heard about it being incredibly successful all of a sudden And it's like, oh, it's weird And then, that's, I don't know, I don't know much about it though Like I That was like most the, the most, all of the information I have on that show <laughs> <laughs> if, I mean, you, if you, yeah, if you watch it, I think you If you watch the first episode, I think you'll know Yeah If it's for you I mean, it's, it's always hard to know Because, you know I, I've heard that it was really successful um, and had a lot of viewership. And I was like, is that because it's good or is it because <laughs> it's by Tim Burton and there's always going to be edgy 13-year-olds? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that was oh, my, yeah. my question is, is this <laughs> Tumblr elevating anything gothic? Uh, here's, here's my hot take that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to share here. Well, it, it kind of like kind of play, like he kind of like makes fun of the whole gothic self-seriousness. So it's kind of like he has a bit of fun with the tropes that he is known for, which I think is like why it works. It's not too self-serious. Right. That's, he's, yeah. <laughs> That's here's what's going to come back and get me in a few years. Nightmare yeah. Before Christmas doesn't not deserve the success it's got. It's a good movie, but that's it. It's fine. Fair enough. Fair enough. I haven't seen it, so uh, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll convince my watch. <laughs> this hot take my is wife. landing Ma- cold on us. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, um, maybe I'll convince my wife to watch it before Christmas. We'll find out. <laughs> Don't. I'll let you know. I'll report in next week <laughs> or whenever we record <laughs> next. <laughs> um, the other thing I watched over the past week was a movie called The Menu. I didn't really know much about the movie. We just, my wife was craving popcorn. And I'm like, okay, I like movies. This one's got good reviews. Let's go check it out. So it's kind of like a murder mystery, kind of like a thriller. The premise is that like an eccentric, famous chef invites all the, like, um, like, like a whole bunch of like 
celebrities and like rich people and stuff to come out to his island to have an exclusive dining experience and then you know things kind of take a turn it's it was a lot of fun i actually it's a it's there's a, a good cast a lot of good acting in it um there's there's some good twists in it and they don't shy away from the gore but it's like it's not like a saw it's not like a saw type movie it's more like you know it's not like one of those movies where they imply something happening to a character they kind of actually show it so that was kind of it was it, it was it was a lot of fun it it was it was a really good movie and and if if you yeah i i don't know if it's going to be in theaters still cuz i think it came out like maybe last month but if when it does come to streaming i i definitely recommend giving it a watch it's, it was uh, definitely a good pick especially if you like got, um, thrillers it's got nicholas holt in it doesn't it yeah, so Nicholas I Holt. Do, oh, I do love yeah. Nicholas Holt. Anna Taylor, uh, Anna Taylor Joy. Uh, I think it's not, is it John John Leguizamo? Like, and a few other kind of like, you know, character actors and stuff you'll know. Um, and it's a I think is it Ralph Fiennes or Ray Fiennes, the old the older one. Yeah. Ray is it Ray? Ralph. I don't know. Ralph. Ralph. No, R- Ralph Fiennes. Yeah, yeah. Ray Fiennes is someone else. Glad we got that settled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd recommend it. It was a lot. It's it's a lot of fun. It's Ray Fiennes a person? <laughs> I feel like I've <laughs> maybe <heard> not. <laughs> I'm thinking of Joseph Fiennes. That's my yeah. That's oh, what okay. I'm thinking about. Yeah. It definitely just comes up with Ralph. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where I got Ray Fiennes from. That's Doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I was just wondering. It's like <laughs> this is someone I've never heard of that I should have potentially. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's what we've been watching and playing over the past week. I've also been playing a lot of Marvel Snap and a lot of Destiny. I'm, I'm actually really enjoying this season of Destiny, but uh, yeah, we'll, uh, maybe I'll talk about that next time. Thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, you can send in your questions to podcast at doublejump.co but uh, just want to say thank you again Kai it was a lot of fun having you on it's, it's always a hoot when you're on man it is, it is as much a pleasure for me <laughs> I love being on uh, yeah. John thank you as always always amazing getting to, to shoot the shit with you and I'm glad that you've been you've found you found like this like kind of I like how you've built a new computer that can handle all these like graphical tasks, like, and you're playing a very simple like, <laughs> you know, text and like animated based game. I know it can do a lot, <laughs> but I'm generally worried about setting, doing, making it do too much. <laughs> I like it doing less, so I can see the little stats in the corner. Say it's twenty degrees or something. It's like it's barely being used at all. Now it's it's not in danger at all. <laughs> I, w- I want Potion Craft to run at 300 frames a second. I want, I want G-Sync. <laughs> I want ray tracing in my potions. I want to set my room on fire. <laughs> well, at least in winter you save on your heating bill. That's the main thing about PC gaming, which which I've learned. <laughs> it's so hot right here. <laughs> it's like now. Going from, from potion making to pyromancy. <laughs> yes. Magic humor for it. Early access. <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
Well, thank you everyone for listening. As always, you can head over to doublejump.co to uh, listen to, uh, sorry, listen, read, watch all of our awesome content. Um, But yeah, until next time, everyone, look out for one another. Peace. Bye. Bye.